I invite you to turn to 1 John. 1 John is towards the end of your New Testament. Turn or scroll right almost to the end there. Uh, we're in 1 John chapter 2 this morning. Keep in mind the New Testament is a wonderful collection of God's truth given us by diverse authors. Different personalities, different perspectives. John paints for us a very unique perspective or view of the grace of God and what it means to walk with Christ. His style differs from Paul, for example. But they all speak to the same truths. We come this morning to a mountaintop when it comes to the grace of God. There are verses in God's word, there are passages that show us with great clarity the grace upon which we stand. Our text this morning is one of those passages. One of those passages that render us such confidence and joy as we walk with Christ if we can understand and take in the truth that is being clearly given to us. Remember, John begins his letter by telling us that God is light and we are now children of light. We must not in any way walk in darkness anymore. The old has gone and the new has come. But we know, of course, that we do not execute this perfectly. And so we were reminded last week of God's faithfulness to his own gospel promises. That he is faithful and just to those promises to forgive and to cleanse us. God's wonderful provision for keeping fellowship with him. Fellowship that is rich and vibrant. So let's read our text. It's 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I had intended to go further, but we're going to stop it right there. That's enough. This is like a juicy steak for us this morning. We're going to stay right here. So notice a few things about this statement here. Notice the term of endearment. My dear children, John likes these terms. He is sharing his very heart with us. He's an elderly man now. He's in exile. He is suffering for the gospel, but he knows soon he's out of here. And he wants to pass on to us the truth of the gospel and how it applies to our everyday life. He makes a rather obvious statement. He says, I'm writing you so that you don't sin. Perish the thought that grace could be misconstrued as do whatever you want, you're covered. That's not grace. That is not in keeping with the new life, the life of God that now resides within each and every one of us as believers in Christ. 
But I'm going to take you into the original for just a moment, the Greek, because it's really important. English is not as rich as some other languages. There's a very particular construction that John uses here, and it's worth highlighting. He says, if any one of you sins, it's a very specific construct that essentially says this, as opposed to other constructs. If you do sin, and you will, that's, that's what he's getting at. Right? It is inconsistent. It is not keeping with our new nature to say we continue to walk in darkness all the time. But we're also not in glory yet. So he is making provision for the fact that we are going to sin. We're going to stumble. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to get it wrong. Sometimes on one occasion, sometimes for a season. So he says, if you do sin, I want you to remember this. Because you will sin. This is so important that we understand what he's getting at. Now, I want you to hold these thoughts here. I want to briefly go to other texts so we can kind of set this up so we fully understand it. And remember, we're celebrating and observing communion today. It flows so perfectly. Nahum in the Old Testament, chapter 1. I want to develop some concepts quickly to show us the magnificence of the statement that we just looked at in First John. We must keep in mind that God is holy. God is just. Nahum verse chapter 1 verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Praise him for that. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. I could show you text after text after text, Old Testament, New Testaments, Testament that highlights the holiness, the righteousness, and the justice of God. The holiness of God demands, requires that sin be accounted for. This justice of God is at the core of the gospel. God's holiness requires sin be dealt with. But while justice is at the core of the gospel, it is not the totality of the gospel. If by itself, it is incomplete and we are undone. New Testament. Listen to these gospel terms to Titus. Titus chapter 3. Notice the words that he uses. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared... He saved us, not because of works that we have done, not works done by us in righteousness, but in accordance with his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration 
and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Regeneration is that word for the life of God in us. The concept that John refers to all the time. Do you see how this short little passage is sprinkled with these beautiful gospel words that are held in tension and in balance with the justice and the holiness of God? The mercy of God. When we put the holiness And the justice of God together. Mercy. Grace and the love of God. We see the richness. Of the gospel. Justice. And mercy. Have met together. Grace. Is shown. To us. Now. Let's go to our text. 1 John chapter 2. At the very beginning. Notice in John chapter 1 and 2 where sin is mentioned. Right behind you will see Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We must not look at the mercy of God apart from Jesus and apart from his shed blood. That's why we spent two months this summer asking the question and answering it. Why did Jesus die? It's not a side note in your New Testament. It's the punchline. It's the story. Now, there's a courtroom scene that John paints for us. Remember, John loves to paint images for us. He loves for us to see contrast and rich imagery, light and darkness. Now he's going to take you to a courtroom. You're on trial. And you are before the judge. By the way, the judge is God. God is infinitely holy and just. And by the way, he also knows everything. So don't try to hide your sin. The prosecutor is one who hates you. He's been a liar from the beginning. Our adversary, the devil. Imagine this scene unfolding. Remember, you're on trial. Our adversary rather easily doesn't have to go back too far in his files. He just, he just looks at yesterday. Really? Colin? He lays claim to being one of your, I mean, did you, did you, did you see what he thought yesterday? Did you see what he muttered under his breath? Oh, he looked good in front of everyone else, but did you, did you, did you catch what he was thinking? Did you see what she did while no one was watching? Can you believe what she did while everyone was watching? And you're calling her one of yours? Remember, Satan is called, Revelation 12, the accuser of the brothers. 
This is what he does. Points out. Points out to him. Points out to us. Really? You call yourself a Christian and you did that? Well, maybe we don't need to talk about yesterday. Let's talk about 10 years ago. Because it's a wonderful thing to just conjure up our past. To dwell where we've long passed. Let's focus our minds and our thoughts there. About what you did 10 years ago. 20 years ago. You see, John is now, he's made a series of statements. And now he's going to paint a picture and explain what he's just been telling us in the previous verses. When he says that God is faithful to his covenant, faithful to his promises, Jeremiah 31, to remember our sins no more. When he makes these outrageous statements, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Those are extraordinary statements. Now he's going to give you a word picture. He's going to give you this this image so that you can understand the confidence that you have in Christ. We stand before a righteous judge. We can't say that the, that the prosecutor is lying because he's not. He's telling the truth about you and me. But here is the most precious gem for us to keep in mind. The word advocate. Defense attorney. One who receives the pronouncements against us and defends us. Now, in what we're used to, usually the defense attorney, he or she is trying to convince the judge that that never happened. But again, can't do that here because it all happened. We're guilty as charged. But here is the beautiful truth for us to keep in mind. Notice the precision with which he speaks. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Let's break it down. We have an advocate. We have an advocate that will answer the charges brought against us. We're, un- we're undone without this advocate. Because everything that's being said about us is true. But this advocate is none other than Jesus Christ. Now. It says we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the righteous judge. That word with, again, Greek is much more, um, it's much richer than English. It has a very, it's a sense of being close, like face to face. John uses it often, actually, even in his gospel. He is not just with God. He is 
face to face with him. He's with him. He's close to him. It's not as if he's aloof and needs to be called back every time. What does our advocate plead? He doesn't give another story because the story is true. He says, yeah, actually, that, that is true about Colin. It's true about him and her and everyone else. But I shed my blood for them. The case is closed. Notice how he is described. Every word of God is tested. Jesus Christ, the what? Ah, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Notice the next verse. He is the, as our favorite new word, the propitiation, the satisfaction, divine justice, perfectly satisfied, completely satisfied, in every way satisfied. So our defense attorney steps up to, and says, yes, that is absolutely true. It was true this morning. It was true yesterday. It was true 20 years ago. But I shed my blood for her. She's mine. And all these wonderful New Testament terms come to mind. Justification. Declared righteous. Not just declared not guilty, but declared righteousness. Righteous. The righteousness of Christ imputed to us. As if we had never sinned. That's grace. And that is the courtroom drama. Now we need to, we need to avoid extremes in this. It's not as if God is unwilling. Because we know from John that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. It's not as if God is not mindful of this. But this is just the truth. It's a way for John to explain to us how the gospel works. We are completely covered by the blood. Our sins are atoned for. They're covered. And I am now in Christ. I have his righteousness because he took my sin. In fact, scripture goes further. He became sin. So I could become his righteousness. Saints, do you see the truth that is laid out for us here? It is so beautiful. It is so breathtaking. May we never forget or take this flippantly. He paints this picture so we understand that Christ's blood speaks a better word. Everything bad about us is absolutely true. But we walk in freedom because Christ, remember the Sermon on the Mount, he fulfilled. He fulfilled. He doesn't just teach the Old Testament. He fulfills it and he offered himself the righteous one. The one who actually kept all the rules without breaking one of them. He was the righteous one. And he is the one who laid down his life for 
us. Watch how this flows all throughout the Old Testament. I want you to go to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Do you remember that great Awana verse, chapter 1, verse 16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When we have those wonderful verses, we need to keep in mind what's right before and after them too. Because sometimes we forget the context. Notice what Paul says in verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith. The foundation of the gospel is the righteousness of God. His righteousness, his holiness, is perfectly upheld in every way because Jesus Christ, the righteous one, suffered and died in our place. And so the gospel is called the gospel of righteousness because God's righteousness is on full display while extending his mercy and his love And his kindness. What we call grace. How does that work? Once again. Romans chapter 3. Verse 26. Remember this statement? It was to show God's righteousness at the present time. So that he might be just. And the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. It is where true biblical Christianity sets itself in contradistinction to every ideology, religion, philosophy that has ever come upon the face of the earth. God's holiness is upheld. God's mercy is extended. And we live and we operate on The grace of God. It is such a beautiful thing to see. Saints, this is the confidence upon which we stand today. If you ever question it, remember what he also says. There's room for more. If you're you're concerned about your sins, like overwhelming the system, look at what he says. Not only for yours only, not only for ours only, but for everyone else. For the whole world. Saints, take courage today. When you set your mind and your heart to love other people well, when you set your heart to be gracious and to be kind to those around you, when you set your heart possibly to suffer kickback and even persecution for your righteousness, you remember the grace of God that upholds you every step of the way. When those accusing thoughts come, even from your own self, when you remember who you really are, It's all right, because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. What else can we say? You're great in all that you do. And you have been kind and gracious to us. Thank you that Jesus in every way is the complete propitiation 
for us. Completely satisfying and appeasing your rightful anger and wrath on sin. By your grace, help us today to walk with you closely. When we do sin, call to mind your gracious promises that we may confess our sins and acknowledge them. Get cleaned up and keep on walking. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. May those around us see the joy of the Lord in our countenance. May we serve you with zeal. May we stand shoulder to shoulder with one another for the gospel of Christ. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.